You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily podcast on the Dallas Cowboys, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Marcus Mosier. You can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today is Landon McCool. You can follow him on Twitter at McCoolBTB. Landon, how are you doing today? Uh, every time I get announced by you, I feel like it's like my membership is tenuous. Like I like I'm a uh, like a tenuous co-host. Like I'm just week to week. Keeping I may you on be your here. toes. That's I all. may not be here. Like you know, so it, it, it feels like I, I'm constantly on the edge of being cut. So well, I guess listen, what I'm saying you is were, I'm working you were, extra you were hard. Threatening you threatening know? to retire on this podcast. Remember, there was a part in this offseason where you were thinking about retiring. So I, I, I retired got... from uh, from several podcasts, just not this one. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Uh, coming up on today's show, we review the Cowboys' first minicamp practice uh, of the year. And to be truthful, guys, we didn't get a lot of information out of it. However, there was some interesting uh, tidbits that have come out in the last couple of days. Uh, we talked about the Zach Martin uh, extension on the last podcast. Uh, Jason Garrett also had a press conference where a little bit of news came out. Uh, and we will get to some of those notes in a second. But I want to start with Randy Gregory. Uh, last night, as uh, we finished up our podcast, Randy Gregory sent out a tweet with an apple, and I think we all kind of knew what that was signaling, that Randy Gregory is in New York. He is uh, getting ready for his reinstatement appeal. Um, what do we think about Gregory? Do we think he's going to get through this process? And if he does, what kind of impact can he make on this team right away? <laughs> Well, let me be clear. I am 100% out on predicting NFL, you know, front office decision-making outcomes because I'm just after last season, I I'm done trying to guess the the, you know, the whims what? of 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 that well, crew. But this one feels a little different though, doesn't it? Because this I, is well, a of course this is, is a good it's, thing. It's, this it's, is a no. good thing, not a positive, negative thing. No, 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 sure, of course. But at the same time, like, look, everything that we've, we've heard and everything we've seen about, about – look, you and I have been hearing whispers about this for probably a year. Like, you know, yeah. like, I mean, of, of, the, of, of, of this, like, you know, whole thing of – you know, he's really starting to work, you know, work it out. It feels like, you know, things could be, you know, going. Like, yo, you, you hear, like, just subtle, you know – you know, positive notes that that as the months would go on, like gr started growing louder and louder and louder, and um, you know, and obviously it, as he submitted to the to New York, there was clearly a ton of of information that they turned over, and they did that for good reason because they had a lot of people that had a lot of positive things to say about about Randy Gregory and about the 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 progress he's made, and clearly, you know, as evidence that he's. Uh, it, you know, reportedly passed over a dozen uh, tests and has been clean since June of 2017. So, like, I I just feel like I feel like that you know, the, every, they he's done everything that I think can be done in this a avenue to make make headway here. And and now it's really in the hands of of the NFL to make a decision on it. We know that they are obligated to re make a decision sixty days from submission, which puts it you know like I think the week before training camp. So anything outside of we're gonna get hear a decision back before training camp, 
I wouldn't even dare to uh, uh, to, to speculate because I, there have been so many things that I felt like were slam dunks with the NFL where we got the complete opposite of what we what we expected. So honestly, I. I, I I feel like it, if in a vacuum, if I if it was in a, 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 a decision making process that I trusted and I knew knew to be fair, I, I would feel one thousand percent positive that as long as Randy Gregory didn't you know smoke a joint as soon as he stepped off the 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 the, the plane sure. in, in LaGuardia that 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 uh, I would feel a hundred percent positive that he was getting reinstated. Uh, before you know, we would and that we would hear something within the next few weeks. Because that is not the case, I, I don't know what to say about what could possibly happen at this point. Anything can happen. Well, here's the thing: uh, at least we have a couple examples over the last really two years of this kind of appeal process working. We have the Martavis Bryant case, where Martavis was suspended a bunch of different times, was conditionally reinstated last year, and then by the time the season rolled around. Uh, he was fully reinstated. Uh, we have Josh Gordon, who has been suspended multiple times for for year-long uh, suspensions. He's back in the NFL. Uh, Daryl Washington, who's been out of the NFL for a bunch of uh, years, reinstated after applying. So it sounds like the NFL maybe. I think from the NFL side, they want these players to come back into the league and approve hey, just because you get suspended one time doesn't mean your NFL career is over. You can overcome this. So I think they're going to give Gregory every opportunity to prove, um, you know, that he is, you know, he has beat his addiction or he's beat whatever it is. Um, I'm feeling confident that he will be reinstated in some form before training camp. Um, We can talk about what he gives on the field. And we've talked about it a bunch on this podcast. But if Randy Gregory is reinstated, I truly believe he is a walk-in starter on this football team because he is just one of the most physically gifted defensive ends this team has had in a long time. Uh, I think it, it shouldn't take him too long to get up to speed. I think he's a guy that uh, is just naturally gifted. You get him on the field, he will make plays. So any quick comments about Randy Gregory's ability before we move on? No, I mean, I think we've we've gone at great length to describe it. It's It's – you're right. I think he immediately, at, at minimum, becomes a contributor and should make the team if he's in any kind of shape or at least in the shape that we've heard so far. So, yeah, I agree. All right, so let's go ahead and move on to some of the things that were actually happening on field today. Uh, I'm just going to go through some of the injuries really quickly. Uh, Leighton Van Der Esch did not practice. He sprained his ankle last week. Uh, the team does not consider it serious. Uh, my guess is if they had to play a game on Sunday, he would be ready to go. Malik Collins did not play. He's still recovering from his foot injury from earlier in the offseason. Uh, you probably won't see him until late, late in training camp if you see him at all. Uh, Deontay Thompson was out. Lewis Neal was out. Both those guys were more precautionary things. Um, and Tyron Smith returned to the field after missing uh, some time in OTAs with a shoulder injury. I think it's a fantastic sign that Tyron's able to fully participate in mini camps. Um, and the guy that I really want to talk about, David Irving, back on the field, did a little bit of stuff on the side. I think we've heard, you know, kind of little whispers that he did some drills. Uh, all good news for Dallas. So, any takes on any of the injuries? David Irving being back. Yeah, I mean, I I you know saw some pictures of Irving and he didn't look you know grossly overweight. So uh, hopefully that, that's know, my it, job is to criticize him on that kind of stuff. Well, right? I, I I'm not criticizing him. I'm taking that criticism <laughs> away. Uh, he he you know he looks like he 
could tighten, obviously, but I, I think that he's he he. Looked, I mean, with a guy like that, you know, his height and from what we understand, that guy loses like twenty pounds overnight, like basically. So uh, I have a feeling that in conditioning, he should be uh, good to go, especially for training camp. He'll, if he can, he'll lose it in training straight. camp, even if he comes in over shape or out of shape at training camp, he'll be fine. Yeah, I don't. I can't even imagine. I, I if he can keep things going, hopefully he won't even. It won't even be a problem. He'll show up training camp fine. So, uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not that concerned. But it, good. It's great that he's there. It sounds like he's going to speak to the media tomorrow. So hopefully we'll get a few, a little bit more information. Uh, but you know, I we've gone over this. I think this is a situation where a guy is dealing with real life situation and you know trying to deal with it as best as he can as a 24 year old single dad. <laughs> so. Uh, you know, I think uh, we're gonna we'll hear a little bit more from him tomorrow, but uh, I think we all know that he's dealing with some stuff. Hopefully, he can get uh, his situation kind of you know out of his main center of focus uh, in time for training camp, so that he can really you know bear down and try to get his career back on track. All right, and probably the most interesting uh, news of the day was Cole Beasley. Uh, Cole Beasley had a statement saying today that it feels like this is the first time in his NFL career where they've the receivers have been actually taught how to run routes. Um, that's interesting. Uh, <laughs> is that a shot at Derek Dooley, or is that just kind of a compliment to the new uh, wide receiver coach they have in it? Sanjay Lal? I can never pronounce his name. Sanjay right. Lal, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, I, I, you know, look, I, I, I totally <laughs> – First of all, I totally get that people are going to try to make this into that because, you know, this is this is what people do when there's not much to talk about. But I actually don't I don't think that that was a shot at Dooley. I, I think what it was was more a description of what a lot of wide receiver coaches in the in not just wide receiver coaches, but a lot of position uh, coaches in the NFL uh, of you know, teaching method because they are limited on reps because they're limited on time. Um, you know, they, they had, there's a certain level of expectation, uh, built in that you kind of know what you're doing as a route runner or as a, you know, whatever, as a defensive lineman or as an offensive line on a, on a very basic level. Right. Uh, obviously Sanjay Lull's, uh, you know, method is to break that all the way down uh, and kind of tighten it even further. And I think that it's not necessarily uh, an indictment on Dooley as much as a commentary on NFL positional coaching in general. I think Lal is just a guy who believes in doing things a little bit different. Now, I don't think that this is any different than some other coaches would do given uh, an a the normal an abundance of time that they had pre CBA. I just think that Law has found a way to do this in a way that also jives with the limited amount of practice time that he gets with his players. How much do you think that can benefit a guy like Cole Beasley, who was already probably the best route runner on this team? Do you think do you think Law can actually have a big impact in his ability to run a route tree because he? We Beasley's routes are pretty much defined. I mean, we kind of know what Beasley's going to run. Do you think he can actually, you know, take some of those slot receivers and get them to play at another level? Uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think that, I mean, first of all, 
you know, Beasley runs great routes because of his athleticism, but I don't know that that's necessarily the only re- way that you can get more out of him. You know, I think that there's ways to get put him in positional spots like outside that that you're going to get a little bit better route running. That's that's uh, 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 that you, you know he's he's just not refined there because he doesn't he doesn't get a lot of opportunity out there. And and I think that on top of that, the the opportunity to run more and different routes, you know, and, 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 and just add more to the toolkit. I think that, yes, I agree that route running is his, uh, is kind of where he, he wins to to say that, but I think that that doesn't mean that he can't improve on that or even, like I said, expand the, the route tree a little bit because, you know, honestly, he, he had uh, only a certain amount of routes inside. So maybe it's adding more routes. Maybe it's adding a route tree uh, outside that he didn't have. All of those things are, are places where maybe he, his game wasn't good enough, you know, uh, his, his routes weren't good enough to put into a game plan on the outside, but, but Wall can get him there. So I think that those, I think it, it, to answer your question, just because he runs several routes very, very well, and he does it to the point where that he can win consistently, doesn't mean that there aren't all kinds of areas where he can improve, including the uh, the routes that that we know he wins at. All right, so we didn't talk about this pre-show, but we got a couple extra minutes today, and I want to kind of throw this out to uh, to at least think about. Uh, we talked a lot on this podcast about how the Cowboys didn't have the personnel last year to run a full RPO offense. Um, and we think that they went out this, this offseason and got some players that can do that uh, with Alan Hearns, maybe a little bit more Beasley, Deontay Thompson, who can stretch the field. Pro Football Focus today put out an interesting stat. I don't know if you saw this, Landon, or not, but uh, they tracked the completion percentage on RPOs last year. Do you have any guess what the completion percentage across the league was on RPOs? Uh. Well, I can give you an idea of what the numbers were for high school and the college teams. They were cl- close to 70 to 72% sometimes. All right, are you ready? In yeah. the NFL in 2017, the completion percentage was 78%. Yeah. Now, if you adjust if you adjust that for drops, it goes all the way up to about 84%. That's right. Because Shoot. it's it's unbelievable. It was just look, I mean, what it does is and, and first of all, I mean that's interesting stats. I'd like to know how they charted that because I think recognizing RPOs unless they know the play call, which maybe they do, is difficult at times because parsing a play action, a fake R, a fake RPO, uh, you but know, But those all numbers that seem correct though. They, they no, seem absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Like that that seems to match up. You know, I, I I've been reading uh, a study uh, that was done by a, a football, you know, X's and O's organization and they did surveys and they put together a book of of uh, of kind of just a bunch of different high school coaches who run RPOs across the country and they talk about different methods and all this different stuff. It's a really great book. But one of the things they do is they, they kind of did a large survey and, and, and what they did is they got kind of information generally about what, you know, the success rate and was for RPOs in the run and pass game. And, and the numbers are shocking. I mean, I think it's still on a high school level, of course. I mean, that's, you know, it's to be adjusted from there. And, you know, there were there were some uh, Division three and junior college uh, uh, coaches mixed in there as well. But, you know, but in general, what you saw is something like that where uh, the completion percentages were incredible because what was happening is that, 
and and the run and the run you know you know yards per carry were insane as well because what you're talking about is that you are providing a situation where you are eliminating the the uh, opportunity for the defense to uh, win with numbers. You know, especially in the run game, like you, you, you've basically eliminated a, the, a defender's ability to add that extra defender in the block, mm-hmm. in the box to, to defend the run. Because once that defender has made the choice to drop into a pass coverage situation, he's put, pull, pulled himself out of the run game. Thereby, you give the ball, and you are automatically running with better numbers than you would if you didn't have that pass option in there. And inversely, if you have a, a linebacker who is reacting to the flow of a run play. And he is uh, vacating a, a zone uh, or running away from a uh, player that he is assigned due to you know man coverage, then obviously that is going to provide you with a lot better window than if that was not the case. You know, if a linebacker was just dropping into his natural zone, and, or if a linebacker was focusing on his normal uh, uh, option, uh, his normal pass coverage in man. So I, I think that. The thing that's brilliant about RPOs is because it makes defenses wrong no matter what they do. And, and I think that this is why teams are excited about this sort of thing becoming a larger part of their offense because uh, it, it makes – if you're willing to just allow the defense to completely make itself incorrect and dictate what you, where the ball is going to go by their actions – then you're able to get a high level of success. Now, the reason that the team is moving more towards that model uh, is because now you've got players who don't necessarily care about their targets. Don't I mean you know I mean or or at least that's what the the idea is. You have a, a multitude of different guys who can win in different ways, uh, who aren't going to be. Uh, target hogs necessarily don't need that um but can uh you know run these routes and be where they need to be to sometimes serve as a decoy sometimes to serve as the target but that's all going to be dictated by the defense not by uh necessarily what the play is called uh you know pre-snap and this is where i think the cowboys are going to have the advantage in rpos hopefully i'm hoping that they fully create an rpo offense and i think while we might not see that completely this year, I think you're going to see a lot of elements to that in their in their you know offense. But the Cowboys already have a dominant rushing attack. So if now if you can put you know especially linebackers on skates, not knowing what to do, the Cowboys should be able to eat up teams on the ground. I would think, um, you know, they have a lot of guys that are really athletic that can get down the field. That's where I'm wondering if the the NFL if the NFL is going to be starting to call some of these illegal defenders downfield uh, more frequently to stop the RPOs. That is the one thing I am kind of curious about. Well, um, I the, I have I have a comment go, about that too because I mean this, this just because that is an that's an excellent point, Marcus. Because the illegal man downfield is 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 a is a bane to the RPO, especially for teams that are trying to marry zone uh, running to uh, their RPOs, which is a lot of teams, mm-hmm. especially us. Power offense, power run games have uh, have uh, you know really some interesting results. Uh, you know it, it, because what you could do is you get a guard who uh, you know running is basically moving, but he's moving behind the line of scrimmage. He's not getting downfield. You have yes. people yes. double teaming down on 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 defenders as opposed to uh, uh, you know as opposed to trying to you know get to the second level. One of the interesting things that the, the coaches in this book talked about was having specific rules about uh being more uh thorough on zone rpos about 
making sure that that double team is secure, really, really making sure that double team is secure before you are making uh, the move to the second level and to only engage the second level defender if the second level defender tries to shoot the gap. You know, they basically, what they'll do is a lot of times if they have to run zone, they'll try to create rules about, you know, what, when you can kind of shift off to make that second level, but then things can get, get really confu- get confusing. But I thought that it's it's funny that you brought that up because I thought that that was one of the interesting things about bringing Paul Alexander in here is that obviously he runs zone much the same way that the Cowboys do. But the thing that was really different between our game, our run game, and their run game is the how much more power they ran than we did. And I think that obviously, if you look at like uh, you know. Um, Urban Meyer and some of these guys that are running zone, uh, you know, RPOs and or, or running RPOs in general in, in college, um, or these wide open spread offenses, they're using a lot of power nowadays. Um, so I think that, uh, and this I think was something will obviously fit with Zeke having come from an Ohio State situation. So that's one thing that I thought was really interesting when we hired Paul Alexander is that does that mean that we could marry more power running game? to our RPO offense and, and create some uh, really interesting results with maybe more downfield, maybe at marrying like four verts with, with a, with a, uh, uh, a power run scheme or that sort of thing. So it, it's interesting to see what, we, what, what they could do. So they're going to be so multiple in offense. And I'm going to love it because they can have the ability to run wide zone. They can run power. Uh, they might be able to run power and RPO together. It, it's, it's really going to be something to watch. Guys, remember the days when you were always ready to go. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence that you need. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis so you know that they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill so you can be ready for whenever an opportunity arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit bluechew.com and get your first shipment for free. When you use our special promo code Locked On, just pay five dollars shipping. Again, that's blue b l u e chew.com promo code Locked On to try it for free right now. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. That's it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Landon at McCoolBTB. You can follow the show at Lockdown Cowboys. And I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier. And we will see you next time. Mm-hmm.